Russia and China and their allies will form the new king of the north after I think the present king of the north, the United States, is destroyed. Uh, we're not only Babylon, we're probably the king of the north and also uh, the great whore of Ezekiel 16 and Revelation 18. So America is the front and center primary nation of all the prophecies. Uh, as Jeremiah 31 says, God declared Ephraim the firstborn, and uh, this country would have the greatest blessings of all the countries on earth. And there's only one nation today that fulfills both the blessings and now the coming cursings that will involve all of Israel. Uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and cursings chapter uh, are very much upon us because God gave us great blessing here from the inception of the first colony here in Roanoke. And 430 years later, we looked around and we were in severe decline and having all kinds of problems. So we know we are about to be destroyed just as the church has been destroyed, so will famine, pestilence, and disease, and death come upon this nation and the other nations of Israel. But we're the leaders of it all, and we get the worst and the brunt of it. Now let's go back to Matthew 24, where we've spent some time, and see if today we can get a sense of the timing of how these things are coming together and at least some analysis and, and uh, perhaps somewhat specul speculative info in terms of when it might all come to pass. Now, we know that Christ said that the end of the world, the end of the age, as we have been living it, will come, and you'll hear wars, rumors of wars, uh, nation against nation, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in different places, and there has been a severe uptick in all of these things in the last few years, and they're beginning to start to hit here uh, in lesser ways than they are in other parts of the world at the moment, but uh, they're getting worse here very, very quickly. But he says that as we see these things increasing, they're the beginning of sorrows. These are the things that usher in this age. And we've seen it being ushered in. Uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, terrible weather conditions, which we have right now, which are destroying crops and famine and pestilence, not only in some Gentile countries, but now our own country is at the doorway. I read several articles lately showing uh, partially empty shelves in Walmarts across the country. And they even put up signs that we will be restocking this hopefully soon uh, from different Walmarts around the country. Is this thing now beginning? So those are the beginning of sorrows. Then we have a time when it says that there will be heavy persecution come, and they'll start killing Christians, both 
so-called Christians in the world and the true Christians whom Satan recognizes above all uh, will also begin to be persecuted. So, so much so that God tells us to leave the cities and go dwell in the wilderness and there we will be delivered. And some of us read that and have come out of the cities or are now in the wilderness uh, where we will be delivered. And it says, Many will be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. Now that has been going on in the church uh, with the division and the splits and everything that have occurred. And it's beginning to happen in the churches of the world as well. So first the true church, then those others. False prophets will arrive, arise and deceive many, and iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. So a lot of sin will be going on, and sin causes love between God and love between man and man to go away. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So, this is happening over a period of time. It isn't all happening in one or two days or three, but over a period of a few years, uh, these things, of course, we can look back, and we've been watching world events for a long time, and we've seen wars and rumors of wars, but nothing like we're seeing right at the moment. Uh, China appears to be about ready to invade Hong Kong, and take it over. They already own it, but when they were given it back by the British, Hong Kong was given 50 years of essentially self-rule up till 2047, I believe it is. Or, I believe that was a year. And uh, now there's a rebellion going on there, and it appears that the Chinese want to go in and absolutely take charge of Hong Kong. And they're blaming the problems there on the United States, saying America is the one that caused this rebellion to occur in Hong Kong. As we sit here today, India has now amassed 80,000 troops on the Pakistan border. I suppose they're just there for uh, a nice weekend. Uh, you know, why are they there? 80,000 troops on the Pakistani border. India and Pakistan have had a great deal of racism and hate between them for a long time. And they are both, by the way, nuclear powers. We're trying to prevent some people from getting nuclear powers, but there are already quite a few nations around the world that have them. Anyway, uh, we've been watching these things, and they are getting there. So these are all leading up to a time when the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And when that is done, the end will come. So that starts in verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, that would be God's holy place, not the world's, Whoso reads, let him understand. And very few people do understand today. They think the Jews are going to build a temple in the Middle East and that's the place that will be defiled. No, 
It'll be built in the true holy land by God's true people, not the disfellowshipped Jews. Sorry. And that is the time to flee from the true Judea into the mountains, which are here. And it will be a time of great danger. So, the day that that abomination is set up is the day that the great tribulation begins. It says down here that unless it was cut short, uh, no flesh would be saved alive. But it says, for then, in verse 21, shall be great, great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world of this time, no, or ever shall be. So, when that abomination is set up, it signals the, the great tribulation, and we know from there it's 1260 days, three and a half years, and 42 months that the Gentiles will rule, and then Christ will return. So the church is to be protected for that three and a half years uh, in Zion, as we now understand. That's where you flee to, to Zion in the mountains of Judea. So this is what's going to come out, and he refers us to Daniel. And we went there last week and saw that uh, when that occurs, uh, then... Satan is cast down from Revelation 12 and goes after the remnant of her seed. And there Daniel 11 shows that he will kill some. Some of understanding will fall. And that's why Christ says here, iniquity will abound and some will betray others and to endure to the end. But he does give us a chance to be safe when all this stuff starts coming down. Now, how is this going to develop, and when does this occur? There are some scriptures that I've debated back and forth over the years, and exactly what it meant, and never really did come up with much of a, an answer to. Let's turn to Hosea 5, and we'll start with one of these, which has been an enigma to me, and perhaps we can get some understanding to one degree or another today, I hope. Hosea 5. Now, let's understand the context of Hosea. He's speaking of a time uh, such as Ezekiel 16 and Revelation 18, when the great whore Ephraim, or Babylon, uh, is in trouble. And he even has Hosea marry a harlot and have children by that harlot as a depiction of what Israel would be in the end time. So, Ezekiel 16 is not just an ancient thing that is a, a historical event, but Ezekiel is an end-time book about America being a great whore and Israel being a great whore in the end time. Now, Hosea is definitely an end-time book, and that's the way God starts out the minor prophets. He says, go marry a whore and have some children by her, and this is all about Judah and Israel. I won't go back and read all that, but you know the story, and 
so here again we have not just Revelation 18 and Ezekiel 16, but in Hosea, Israel is depicted as what she is, a whoring after other nations and other alliances and away from God. So, it is at the end of these days. Chapter 4, verse 5, he says at the end of it, I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, our mother, the church, has been destroyed pretty much by now. And Ephraim and the other nations of Israel are also going to be destroyed. We refer to the nations of Israel as Mother Israel, do we not? So, destruction of the church mother is pretty well complete, almost. Uh, and the destruction of the nation is very close upon us in the book of Hosea. Uh, he talks about the daughters being harlots. Verse 15 of chapter 4. Though, though you, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend. Israel slides backward like a heifer, verse 16. Uh, verse 17, Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Won't do any good to try to have a revival. They're joined to idols. I read a quote this morning, which I thought was very, very good, and I'm going to try to remember it. Uh, someone said, Man cannot make a worm, but he can make gods by the dozens. <laughs> uh, wow, that puts it pretty succinctly. Uh, here, Israel is turned to idols. Leave him alone. So then he gives a warning in chapter 5 to the priests, to the house of Israel, and talks about the revolters in verse 2. I'm just skipping through here. Uh, verse 5, end of it, says, Ephraim will fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. Uh, so he's talking about a short period of time here. We'll see in verse 7. They have dealt treacherously against the Eternal, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their portions. A very short period of time, a month. Now, in Revelation 18, it says an hour, and then it says a day, I think two or three times. Here it says a month. So, in biblical prophecy... Uh, these signify short periods of time. A day can mean a year. It's very clear. But a day can also represent a thousand years, and in these prophecies, obviously, that is not the case. So, a very short period of time uh, it will take to devour men. Uh, then it goes on and indicts Israel and Judah some more. So then let's go to uh, chapter 6. Here's an interesting statement made. Come. Well, it says at the end of verse uh, 5, one thing there uh, in verse 15, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. God has turned his face from us, as we know from many scriptures, and he's turned his face now from Ephraim and Israel and Judah as nations. 
In their affliction, they will seek me early. So he says his 10% remnant will seek him, and so will the 10% that is left of Israel and Judah when Christ returns and starts setting up his kingdom. So, the affliction is coming upon us very rapidly now. Now, that's the context for chapter 6. It says, Come and let us return to the eternal, for he has torn and he will heal. He has smitten and he will bind us up. So, the church has been going through being torn and needs to be healed and bound up. Now, here's a sense of the timing of this, however it fits. Verse 2, After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. So, here is the destruction of the church. Here is a statement about how it will be healed. And then it says, after two days. Let's figure here that a day is as a year. Just for uh, some analysis. After two years will he revive us. In the third year he will raise us up and live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on, to know the eternal. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. Now, the former and latter rains come in this area, and they do actually in the Middle East as well. Uh, toward the end of December through January, the former rains, uh, maybe into February, but March and April are the latter rains. Now, that's a historical uh, fact. And I always tie that to when we had the ministerial conferences in Pasadena over the years. Nearly every year when we went in January, it was raining. And I remember that partially because there was no smog. The rain cleared it out, so you could breathe clean air during January, at least generally. So here he says, he gives us some timing. Now, is this here for no reason, or is it here to give us some direction? Now, I know people will say no man knows the day or the hour and so on, he doesn't say we won't know the year, and certainly once the tribulation begins, we know he returns 1260 days, three and a half years, and 42 months later. So Christ said that to his disciples at that time, but that doesn't mean that in the end we won't know, because he has to give Satan his due. I don't think he's going to cut the tribulation itself short because it's delineated as 42 months, 1260, and three and a half years in 360-day year uh, calculation, which we will have by then, I am sure. I think the thing that might be cut short, that there be flesh saved alive, is the seven last plagues, 
which occur for during the year after Christ returns and takes his saints to the throne of God to marry and prepare her to come back and rule with him. That's probably the time that will be cut short, but not the tribulation, because he's promised it to Satan, he's promised it to the Gentiles, and there is no danger of annihilation during that period of time. At the end of that time, remember the two witnesses are killed three and a half days before Christ returns. So when they're killed, you know it's three and a half days later. No doubt about it. And the world is not threatened with annihilation at that point. Because it says they will send messages and cheer about the death of the witnesses all over the world. So they're still going to have communications intact uh, and be able to spread the word worldwide that those two are now dead and lying in the streets of Jerusalem. So up to that point, there's no threat on total annihilation of every human being. So that isn't the portion he's talking about being cut short. The time that there is a threat for all men to die would be during the seven last plagues. So he will probably cut his honeymoon a bit short and cut the seven last plagues a bit short so that a hundred million people will be left, as Daniel indicates. Now, let's look at a little bit more. Uh, let's go from here to Daniel 10. I find this very interesting because remember, when the 70 years were complete, Ezra 1 shows that in the first year, apparently Daniel had told Jeremiah that this Cyrus would be the one who should help rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, Cyrus, as you know, was the son of Ahasuerus and Esther. So he was half Jew. And his mother Esther and his uncle Haman, not Haman, his uncle uh, Mordecai, <laughs> Haman was the bad guy, sorry, uh, his uncle Mordecai uh, had taught him so he had, I'm sure, a certain respect for the Jews. And Daniel was had been there as uh, an assistant to Nebuchadnezzar and later to Belteshazzar, or Belshazzar. So he was still there. And it says that what Jeremiah said was what impressed Cyrus, that he was the one who was to help get the temple built. Now, that was in the first year, Ezra says, that Daniel had told him, I'm sure, about what Jeremiah said. So Cyrus got this idea, and he made a call that this was to be done. So then preparations were being made, and you go on a little further in Ezra, and it says that they went there and got ready to build in the second year of Cyrus. So it wasn't until the second year after the 70 years were ended when the Medes and Persians took over the Babylonian Empire that they actually got there to do the work. So that's the second year after. So everything doesn't happen precisely at the end of seven years. There was a preparation time. There was a get-there time. 
Uh, and we have that all ahead of us here. Uh, we came out to prepare a way, but the get-here time has not yet come for 10% of the church. So, two years after what? I think after the 70 in this end time were over. And I think they ended in August of 17 when Ambassador College began and the work began to move forward uh, from that time. Now, the 430 years that we were in slavery or in Mitzrayim that God gave back to us in this country, He gave us back our 430 years with freedom, and that ended, if Roanoke is the right start date, in July of 2017. So we are now in and at the end of the second year since those two events, as I've understood them and explained them before, occurred. And I think they began in the late summer of 2017. Let me tie before we get into Daniel here. Again, uh, Amos 7, into this. You will recall in the summer of 17, the terrible earth, uh, hurricane that went through the Houston area toward the end of the summer. Now, on August 21st of 2017, we had an eclipse go across the middle of this country at noonday. Now, in this context, God tells Amos to look at this basket of summer fruit. Fruit comes toward the end of summer. And he said, Amos, what do you see? Basket of summer fruit. The end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. In other words, at the time that he sees this basket of summer fruit, God says, I'm not going to overlook their sin anymore. I'm not going to show any mercy. I'm going to begin to do something about it. Toward the end of the summer, and I believe that was in 2017. The songs of the temple shall be howlings in this day. Many people are going to die. And they're talking about the new moon here and how there will be famine and pestilence to come. Verse 8, the land will tremble for this and everyone mourn. And uh, there will be a flood. It shall come to pass that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. I do believe that eclipse in the August of 17 was this event. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. It will be a bitter day. There will be a famine of the word. They'll seek it and not find it. Uh, in that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. And Samaria, that is Israel, will fall and never rise up again. Into verse 14. So this is the end time, the final fall of Israel. And a basket of summer fruit and an eclipse caused it to turn dark at noonday. I think that marked the end of God's mercy. 
there has been <coughs> so far uh, a momentum of events occurring which have been getting worse and worse steadily and continue to do so over the last two years. And I believe that is the marker. Now, tie that together with Hosea 6, where he says, after two days, could that mean after the fall of 2019? In the third day will I revive you. So in the third year, he says, after two years, I'm going to do this, and I will revive you in the third year. So if you take 2017, and we're at about the end of the summer, or getting toward it, uh, the third year since this decree in Amos 8 took place, the third year would be from this fall through the next year, including this fall and spring and next summer, the third year, sometime during that third year. Now, I don't know what else to tie this to. If that be the case, we're about to enter the third year, and our revival is near. Now, let's tie in a couple other things. Well, before I go there, let me go back to Daniel 10, because I think this is very interesting. This is an end-time book, wouldn't be understood until the end. And here he talks in chapter 9 about the uh, abomination being set up, okay? And that's when we flee to the mountains of Judea in Matthew 24, all right? We all understand that, have understood that for a long time. But notice chapter 10. Here is a vision and a prayer of Daniel that occurs Notice when, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing, and had understanding of the vision. And it made him so sick, he fasted for three weeks, because he saw trouble coming, but it was for the end time. But it was the third year of Cyrus when this message came. Now, the angel came and told him in verse 14, Now I am come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days. So the connection here is the abomination of desolation that will be set in the temple the fleeing, and that day begins the great tribulation, and Satan is cast down to persecute God's people. So what he saw in the third year of Cyrus was all this destruction coming, and it made him sick. But then he's told by the angel that this is to happen in the latter days. Then he says, O man greatly beloved, verse 19, Fear not, peace be to you, be strong, yes, be strong. In other words, when all of this terrible stuff comes in the latter days, it's time for God's people to be strong. Be strong, 
be of good courage, fear not, and work, he tells us in several places in the prophecies. And when he had spoken to me, I was strengthened. So God will strengthen his people in the latter days when all this trouble comes. Uh, he says, I'll return to fight the prince of Persia, and then the prince of Greece shall come. But I will show you that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holds with me in these things but Michael, your prince. So, is it the third year when the trouble comes and God's people can be strengthened and protected? Now, does that fit in with Hosea 6? He says, after two years, he will come and revive us in the third year. He tells, now, the temple was announced by Cyrus in the first year of his reign, after Babylon was destroyed by the Medes and Persians. It was the second year when they went to prepare to build, and in the third year, this went on. Here, Daniel is told, when the abomination occurs, you flee... Will it be the third year since the 70 and the end time ended and since the 430 ended? Now, remember what Ezekiel said. He says, the famine, the pestilence, the war, everything that comes is going to come after the 430 years. I believe that ended in the July of 2017 from Roanoke, 430 years until then. So now would be the beginning of the third year since that happened. Daniel got the message in the third year of Cyrus that the trouble would come, but God's people would be strengthened. You read in Daniel 11, where we were last week, briefly at least, uh, those that know their God, verse 32, shall be strong and do exploits. So Daniel was told and felt strong. We are to be strong and do exploits. And yet, they'll fall by sword, flame, and captivity many days, and helped with a little help. Some of understanding will fall to purge them and make them white to the time of the end. I think that is referring to those who go into the tribulation and repent there, as Zechariah 10 or 11 says. So is it beginning to make a little sense that it is the third year that these things start coming down? Uh, Hosea mentions it specifically. Daniel 3 is when the vision came about it, and then chapter 11 talks about the horrible trouble that is to come, even as Matthew 24 and Revelation 6 and the seals do as well. Now, I had another thought there, was, and then I went to Daniel, uh, third year of Cyrus, Let's go to Habakkuk next. Habakkuk uh, sees what? Habakkuk sees the army coming that is going to destroy this nation. 
the nations of Israel and Judah. And he is made very ill by what he sees. God says to him in chapter 1, verse 5, end of it, I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. God is going to do a great work in these end times. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, the resurrection of the new Babylonian empire after the U.S. is gone, that will be bitter and hasty and march through and destroy. And it goes on with that kind of context. And then Habakkuk says, after looking at this, oh, I'll sit on my tower and watch. This, this is quite a show that's coming. And God answered him in verse 2, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. In other words, this is coming, and it's going to be time of great danger. You read this, and you do what? In haste. You return to God. You seek his face. You go to him early, as we read in Hosea, to turn to God to be protected from all this that's coming. He says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So he's saying, once these events are set in place, which I think they were in August of 2017, the 4.30 ended, the 70 ended, it's going to come soon. Well, what did Ezekiel say? After the 430 days on his side, he said destruction is coming, but he didn't say it was immediate, did he? Wouldn't start that day, not the day 431. He said it is soon, it is come, it is come, it is soon, it will not tarry. I think he says that about 11 times, as I recall counting. In other words, it's here, run. Be prepared. Don't sit idly by, but be aware. Be alert, because it is almost there and won't be like the echoing again of the hills. Habakkuk uses the exact same type of language. You're going to see this army gathering, and destruction is going to come. And when you see this developing, run, because it will not tarry, it will be soon. So we see the storm clouds gathering. The Chinese right now are fit to be tied at us. They're warning that we're the ones that are causing the rebellion that they're about to probably put down in Hong Kong. They'll blame us. Trump just put some more sanctions on the economy of China this past Thursday, two days ago. They are livid. They are angry. Their leading news commentator, who has heard all over China, used an expression on the air to describe what is happening with the United States. And they published it for everybody, and it went viral immediately all over China and all over the world because this is the leading commentator in China, like Walter Cronkite maybe used to be here, someone on that level, 
in China. And he said, America is stirring up world trouble everywhere around the world like stirring with a shit stick. Those were his exact words. Now, for the leading commentator, with the communist government's blessing to come out with that crass and bold a statement is unheard of. They are getting stirred up. This is hurting their economy terribly with these sanctions. And they're not liking it a bit. Trump just passes it off. That's ah, no big deal. It may not be to him. It may not be to the average American. But to the average Chinese it is. And to their government and to their leading commentator it is. <coughs> These times are upon us. <coughs> I read now. Many commentators in the alternative news who feel that this economy could come down in the next weeks and months, <coughs> maybe even yet this fall. Now, what does Jeremiah 50 and 51 tell us? It tells us that God's 10% will flee ahead of the northern army, <coughs> saying, how do I get to Zion? So just as the invasion is occurring and about to occur is when people will get scared and they will begin fleeing for Zion, saying, how do I get to Zion? Now, if you read Jeremiah 50 and 51 carefully, it starts with that story about God's people fleeing. Then it talks about civil war, which is upon us. We're not very far from it. And in fact, in some respects, it's already begun between the Democrats and Republicans. There were some people who were uh, abused and battered and molested for raising up a Trump sign yesterday. It's happening more and more frequently. Well, this thing is upon us. And Jeremiah 50 and 51 also say that our leaders will shake hands, sell us out, and betray us. That's been going on with our presidents and Congress now for quite some time. Several decades, actually. But it's gotten worse in the last three. With, well, or four or five. With the Bushes, both of them, and Clinton, and Obama, and now Trump. Don't believe a word the man says. He's not doing what he said he would do. And he's doing the opposite. And he's got his cabinet full of swamp rats. It goes on and on. He's one of them. He owes hundreds of millions of dollars, as I understand, to Deutsche Bank, which is about to go under. And there are problems there. So civil war is upon us, Isaiah 7, and in Hosea, other places we've read, shows that our leader, or leaders, probably both of them, president and vice president, are going to die. Assassinated, probably, I would assume. And civil war. So we have... Financial collapse of Zephaniah and other places. We have uh, a great group of nations coming together 
who are working hard at destroying the American dollar by trading apart from it, and then we can't just print money to pay our debts because nobody's going to want our money. Uh, they'll be trading among themselves. They're already starting. We have a worsening situation between Israel, Britain, Iran, and Iran and the United States. I believe Daniel 8 says that we will invade Iran just like we did Iraq, and then our horn will be broken. So all these things seem to be coming together right now as we speak and don't appear to be very far away. The economy is teetering by a very thin string. The stock market is beginning to show signs of turning into a bear market in this past week. It's going on. So, was that the warning across the bow and the start of these things in August of 17? And now, about two years later, we're entering the third year. And it's during the time, remember what Habakkuk said, uh, during the time when all these things are coming to pass. Now, he says here, uh, in chapter 3, we've, we've had all this trouble and uh, impending destruction that, that got him worried Verse 14 of chapter 2 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the eternal as the water covers the earth. Woe to him that puts his neighbor to the bottle and gets him drunk when these things are coming to pass. So this is an end-time prophecy just prior to Christ establishing the kingdom. Okay? Now go to chapter 3. Here's a prayer of Habakkuk. Verse 2, O Eternal, I have heard your words, your speech, and was afraid. He saw all this destruction coming. So this is at the time that that occurs and causes him to pray. And here is his, the beginning of his prayer. O Eternal, revive or preserve, is it preserve alive, it says in the Hebrew, in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known, in wrath remember mercy. So he's saying, I'm seeing these armies that are about to attack. I got scared. I said, run, take care of things, prepare for what's coming. And then he says, in the midst of these years when the armies are coming, and between then and when the, found, the kingdom of God is set up, this period of time we're in, as we see the armies gathering until the time that the kingdom comes. Revive your work in the middle of this time. If the end-time events began in earnest... In 2017, in the fall, during that eclipse, then you have approximately 2026 until Christ returns. But three and a half years before that, the tribulation starts. Well, from 2017 to the beginning of the tribulation in, let's say, 23, you have about a six-year period. And 
during that period of time, if you count from 2017 to two years plus into the third year, you're about the middle place between the time God said, I've had it, it's over, I'm starting this, until the church is delivered to build a temple and to build Jerusalem. And that period of time is completed at the time that the abomination is set up, the tribulation starts, and then you have three and a half years more. But the revival of the work is in the midst of the time, from the time he decreed in August of 17, this is when I have run out of mercy and these things begin in earnest. (coughs) They've gotten worse and worse. Now, if in the middle of that time, in the third year from 17, the financial collapse occurs, the invading army musters its strength, and after the financial collapse, this nation will be prime for the picking, and the invasion occurs, and God's people flee ahead of it to Zion to be protected, and there they build the temple, and they build Jerusalem, and then the abomination is set up, and the flight occurs. I think that we are now entering the midst of the years from 27, I mean from 2017 in the fall. Uh, This next year will be the third year. And there's about six there uh, between the time of 2017 and the tribulation begins, I believe, in 2023. (coughs) And it is in the middle of that time After the collapse, (coughs) what does it say in Zephaniah? It says there's going to be a great crash. And it says in chapter 2 that we are to turn to God with all our heart and hopefully be protected. (coughs) Because immediately after he says that in chapter 2, he shows the invasion. Okay? So economic collapse... Get protected, invasion. And then he shows Zephaniah that he will take care of his people. And in Haggai, almost immediately thereafter, (coughs) begins the building of the temple. So, all these things happen one right after another. And remember Jeremiah 50. When the armies come, we will flee right ahead of them. Or that is the 10% remnant will flee saying, how do I get to Zion? Because they're coming to build the temple. After two, into the third, would seem to indicate to me that the financial collapse will probably occur in the coming months, not years, months. And that that will then prepare the way for the invading army to come and then the 10% remnant will flee ahead of it. Now let's get a sense of the timing of when this will happen of the time of year. We may have seen that this third year, since August 17, is when these events will begin to actually occur in the 
the collapse and then the invasion and the flight ahead of it. Well, when does this happen? What time of year? I think we've looked at some things in the past about this, but let's look at some more again. Uh, Isaiah 57. Uh, and I want, I think, verse 17 here. Isaiah 57. He talks about how he will... Uh, Look to those that have a contrite and humble spirit and revive the spirit of the humble to revive the heart of the contrite ones. What does Acts tell us in Acts 3? It tells us that we are to wait until the time of restitution of all things. Now, there was a restitution there in Acts 2 when the church began. There was a restoration of health, healings left and right, There was a restoration of God's blessing to a small part, spiritual Israel, the church of Israel and Judah. So that was a restitution. Now, it also refers to a future time of restitution, when the the blessings of God will be restored to those people whom he's turned his face away from, Church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, and all the scriptures and the prophecies that say he's turned his face from us, and how he will turn it back to us again. Said that in Hosea, which we just read in chapter 6. Or maybe it's 14 I'm referring to, and I haven't gotten there yet. But anyway, he's talking about reviving the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always angry, for the Spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. Then he talks about how he was angry and hid himself, and then he will heal, verse 18, and he will offer peace to him that is far off and that is near, and I will heal him. So there is a time of restitution. And then he says, cry aloud and spare not, lift your voice like a trumpet, because this is coming. And that's the time of restitution. Let's go back to Isaiah 52. When is this going to begin? He says, put on strength, Zion. Didn't we say that the holy people would be strong? Didn't the angel tell Daniel to be strong in that third year when he appeared to him? Was the third year just happenstance? There's no happenstance in God's plan. Everything is timed perfectly. So why did he give Daniel a dream in the third year about the trouble and destruction that would come in the latter days? Because Hosea tells us that we will be revived in the third year. I believe we are just entering that third year. And God's people will be brought out ahead of the destruction, saying, how do I get to Zion? Now, he tells us to arise out of the dust, quit being walked upon, O captive daughter of Zion, verse 2. You'll be redeemed without money. Redemption, restitution, blessing, it's all the same. Uh, You'll be oppressed. Why are you taken away for nothing? Then in verse 7, I think we 
from there on, we begin to get a connection as to what time of year this will occur. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation. In other words, an encouraging message of what God will do for his people. The watchman message is of dire destruction for both the church and the nation. But the, the ones who bring good tidings of good and restitution and renewal, uh, that's a beautiful message that says to Zion, your God reigns. Doesn't Christ tell us in Zechariah 2, he is going to return and dwell with us and protect us and be a wall of fire around us? God will reign. And he's going to scare the world, and he's going to scare Cyrus who comes up with the gold and the silver, and he's going to show him that he is God. Thy watchmen. So there is a message of good that comes ahead, but two here, the watchmen, or more than one, shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the eternal shall turn again Zion. You read this also in Zechariah um, 6. That they will see eye to eye when these things begin to happen. And Zechariah 4 shows that it's when they will be teaching the church. When God begins to restore and to bless is when the two will get together and see eye to eye and not before. That's when. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of the church and ultimately Jerusalem. For the eternal has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So he's talking about the church here. The two come together when... The trouble comes, and at the time God begins to turn and bless and turn His face to His people and redeem Jerusalem. The Eternal is made bare, His holy arm, in the eyes of all the nations. He's going to do signs and wonders, according to Zechariah 3 and other places, including this one, which will turn the eyes of the whole world on the church. He says, the eyes of all seven churches there will turn to the stone. That stone is Christ, because he will be doing the signs and wonders through his people. We saw in Acts, uh, and in Joel 2 at Bible study, that he's going to give visions and dreams to the young men and the old men, and uh, the young women and old women. <coughs> I won't turn to Joel again, but when does he say it happens? During the time of the former and latter rains. That would be from January to April. <coughs> That's when he says he will do it. And later, after the latter rains, is when he will open and pour out his Spirit on all flesh, young and old, men and women. Is in that period of time. Well, what is Isaiah 52 talking about in terms of timing? He says the witnesses will see eye to eye, and they'll begin to teach the church together in Zechariah 4. <coughs> and he says, don't touch the old unclean, be clean, so you can bear God's vessels. 
For you shall not, verse 12, go out with haste nor by flight, for the Eternal will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Doesn't he say he'll protect us and send an army out in Revelation 12 to destroy the army from the beast that comes after us when you flee? This is talking about a different time. This is talking about not it being hasty or by flight. Matthew 24 is talking about that. It says, don't go back to your house for anything. Just go. That's when the abomination is set up. This is talking about the time when he begins to heal and do signs and wonders before the church in the world that the people begin to flee to Zion ahead of the invasion of the nation. So they don't go not going back to their house. This happens over a period of time as this builds. And as the invasion becomes imminent and people get scared and they get just ahead of it, saying, I need to go to Zion because they will have seen signs and wonders in Zion that have turned their heads there. And then suddenly they're going to say, I better get there while I still can. Okay? Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. Now, you go on down to chapter 53, and it describes the Passover. So, former and latter reigns conclude with the Passover season. Here, he says, they'll see eye to eye. Uh, they'll sing together. When God begins to do the healings and the signs and the wonders, and trouble will come, and they will flee ahead of it, according to Zeremiah 50 and 51, not in a panic, but they'll start moving, looking for Zion when they see all this stuff beginning to come down and they see where God is working signs and wonders. And it appears it'll be around the Passover time. Isn't that when people fled before? Yeah, from Mitzrayim. In 54, then, it says, Seeing, O barren, that did not bear. Didn't we come here? And haven't we been pretty barren and not born much? And some of what we did bear has turned against us? Saying, he says, when they see these things happening, break forth and stretch the place of your tent and your curtains and your habitations. Spare not, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. You'll break forth on the right and on the left, and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Seven Trees, seven churches planted the desert, Isaiah 41. Jerusalem will be built as villages or towns without walls, Zechariah 2. It's what it's talking about, and it appears to be in the springtime when God begins to do these great blessings. Joel 2 says, in the former and the latter rains, that's in into winter and into the spring. Uh, I can give you some more. Um, Psalm 78. What time is it? I'm about out of time. I won't go all through Psalm 78 as I had thought to do, but I'll, I'll show you a little bit here. Here he talks about the wonderful works of God and how praise will be given to Him and how He has a stubborn generation in verse 8 and 9. Uh, they believed didn't didn't believe in God and trusted not in His salvation. Verse 42, uh, and yet up in verse, I mean 22, in verse 19 it says, 
they spake against God. They says, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? <clears throat> he smote the rock. He did it before. He says he's going to prepare a table in the wilderness again where we'll be taken care of and eat the stores of the Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites who were here when we got here. That'll be the Mormons. Thank you. And they sinned and they sinned. And then he rehearses what God did to save them, just like Stephen did in the sermon that we read about at Bible study the other night. Rehearse that whole history. Uh, verse 63, the fire consumed their young men and their maidens were not given to marriage. The priests fell by the sword and so on. Uh, verse 68, but God chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. He's going to choose Spiritual Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves, Hebrews 12, 22 and 23. He built his sanctuary like high palaces. Is the Zion we look to got high palaces and towers, as Psalm says in another place, the joy of all the land? High palaces like the earth which he had established forever. Zion will be as beautiful as the whole earth that God established. And it is. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. Now when? From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. When are the ewes great with young? In the springtime. That's when David was sent to help. Now we see David mentioned uh, where was it? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I forget the exact scriptures. But he uses the analogy of David along with the leadership at the end time. When does the leadership come together? When God blesses his people at the time of the former and the latter rains. In the springtime time of Passover, Isaiah 52. When does the David appear on the scene? In the spring when the ewes are heavy with lamb. Not when they're weaning them. Not when they're in uh, breeding season, when they're heavy with young. That's the springtime. <clears throat> so it appears that this punishment and trouble is coming, and that's when God will take care of his people. Zechariah 10. Let's see another one real quickly. Ask you of the eternal rain in the time of the latter rain. When do you ask? When it's due. When do you ask God? When it's time. And then He does. Ask it in the time of the latter rain, so the Eternal shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Not winter, not fall, not summer. When does the grass turn green? In the spring. For the idols have bestoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. And God was kindled against the shepherds that were there. But God is going to show His two in the springtime, it appears, in Isaiah 52, these signs and wonders of Zechariah 3 and other places, in the springtime, at the time of the latter rain, is when he's going to give showers of blessings. You put all these together, and it appears to be the third year 
after his saying, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore, it's over. In the midst of the time, from the time he decreed that, into the third year, and then you have a period of about three years to get the temple built, to get Jerusalem built, before the end of that time comes and the tribulation begins with the abomination of desolation and the church flees to Zion and the two begin to preach against the world instead of just taking care of the church. So it's the middle of that time that this all begins to occur. I think we're in it. Now, my analysis may be wrong and this may be speculation that is not right but I don't know any other thing to put it to and God didn't tell us at the end of two years and in the third for no reason he gave that to us so we would know when that is why put it there if you're not to understand it and he says that the destruction of Israel will come about 65 years in Isaiah 7 from uh, a time that a plot is given to destroy Israel. And 1954 was the first meeting of the uh, Bilderbergers and a plot to destroy this nation and Israel. That was their first meeting. About 65 years later, puts us right now. There's so many things that seem to be coming together. And I don't think this is idle speculation because if you're paying any attention to what's going on in the world, it is at the door and it is imminent. And I think that these scriptures are telling us we're there. I could be wrong. But you better watch because I might be right.